Shavuot Tov, everybody. Welcome to Parashat Tazria. It was a Tuesday morning in December, and after hours of searching, the 45-year-old alcoholic man was finally found passed out on the side of the road. His wife of 20 years wakes him with a gush of cold water and a stern look of disapproval on her face that the man had seen too many times before. Henry, you good for nothing, she says as she kicks him. How could you do this to me again? We agreed that you'd only drink on weekends. The ride home was, needless to say, bitter and angry. Henry, this is the third time this month that I've had to come find you. You know, my boss threatened to fire me if I came to work late again. Then who's going to provide for this family? Any student of psychology can tell what's wrong here. You have the dependent, the alcoholic, putting the alcohol above all else without any regard for anything or anyone else. And then there's the codependent, perhaps just as complicit in this dynamic as the alcoholic themselves. Dr. Stephen Karpman, about 40 years ago, developed what's called the drama triangle that perfectly captures exactly what's going on here. He says this drama triangle consists of three parts, the rescuing, the persecuting, and victimization. The rescuing part is obvious, saving the alcoholic. The persecuting part, by the wife, she says, you good for nothing, and she literally kicks him. And finally, the part that the codependent loves to dwell in is self-victimization. Like she says, my boss trying to fire me, you're causing me all of this, uh, all these issues in my life. So let me be clear, what's the real issue going on here in this story? I think the real issue is one word. Boundaries. The codependent, the wife in this example, is a person who has tremendous trouble asserting healthy boundaries. Not just in this relationship, but in all relationships, most likely. She shows her husband time and time again that she will put his needs above hers, making extreme sacrifices at the expense of her own mental health. This week, we read about sarat of all different types. The Torah goes into so much detail about what sarat looks like. But we're left wondering, as the reader, what causes this malady? To answer this, let's explore some different examples of sarat throughout Tanakh. So, of course, what's the most famous uh, explanation for why sarat comes about? Rashi says it's Lashon Hara. We learn, of course, from Moshe Rabbeinu at the Seneh, one of the signs that God gives him to prove to Bnei Israel that God has sent him is to take his hand, put it under his armpit. When he takes it out, it's mitzorat kashalig. It is full of leprosy, full of sarat. But the question is, why is this going on? Well, Rashi explains, Moshe says, Vehen lo aminuli. Bnei Israel are not going to believe me when I say that God sent me. So because Moshe is accusing Bnei Yisrael of something, it's the equivalent of Lashon Hara, and therefore he gets Sarat as part of one of the signs. The next example in the Torah is with Miriam. Famously, Miriam and Aharon speak about Moshe, about the African woman that Moshe marries. Miriam is butting into Moshe's business. She's seemingly speaking Lashon Hara, but really the most important point here, she's speaking about the Navi. So Rashi uses these examples to show that Sarat probably comes from Lashon Hara. But that's not the end of the story. If you're a student of the Tanakh, you know there's a couple more examples of Sarat. One of them is from Melachim Bet Perekeh. This man named Naaman is the very successful general of Aram, of Aramea. 
And he's full of ga'ava, he's full of all of this haughtiness. And he has sarat, and we're not sure why, but presumably maybe due to this haughtiness. And he hears that there's this man of God, this Isha Elohim named Elisha, the successor of Eliyahu Hanavi. And he says, this man Elisha, I'm going to go see him. He gets to Israel, he says, I want Elisha to come see me. Elisha says, no, I'm not going to come see you. Just go dip in the Yarden seven times, you'll be cured. And this man is so full of his haughtiness. He says, why should I go in this river of the Yarden? And here in Israel, we have so many great rivers in the Aram that are even greater than the rivers of Israel. I could, I could have just dipped in those. And eventually he says, you know what? Fine, I accept that Elisha is not going to come see me and I'll just humble myself and dip. He finally dips in the Yarden seven times and he's cured of his Sarat. Okay, interesting. So keep that in mind. Finally, the last example we'll give. Bet Chronicles 2, chapter 26, Perek Kafav. The righteous king Uziyah. He is in his love and his passion for God. He says, I want to go bring the ketoret, the incense, in the Bet HaMikdash. And he does so. And immediately, Sarat bursts forth on his forehead. So the question is, these last two examples have nothing to do with Lashon Hara. Maybe Lashon Hara is really just a subcategory of this really larger umbrella concept that Sarat is really about. I think the common denominator is overstepping one's bounds. In the case of Lashon Hara, it's simple. A person says they know best for what somebody else, they're overstepping their boundaries. It's obvious how they're crossing boundaries. In the case of Naaman, he was a person full of gava. He thought he could control everybody, even an Isha Elohim like Elisha, to come to him. And finally, when he humbles himself, realizes he can't cross everyone's boundaries. He can't have this giant ego and determine everyone's actions. Then he's cured of his ga'ava. And finally, King Uziyah, even though he was so righteous, and he was trying to do something good for God, he oversteps his bounds. He's not a Kohen. He has no right to bring the ketoret. So, amazingly, the Tanakh is trying to teach us something about Sarat that we might not have known just from reading Rashi. And so what does the parasha say? What is the prescription for a person like this who repeatedly crosses boundaries, a person who therefore gets sarat? What's their prescription? Badad yeshev They need to sit alone outside the camp will be their dwelling place. This is midah keneged midah. Measure for measure. You overstepped someone's bounds. Now you must sit out of bounds. And you need to learn to respect other people's boundaries. You know, the really sad part about codependency is that for codependents, their lack of boundaries almost always comes from the result or as a result of low self-esteem and self-worth. Codependents, you see, have this mistaken notion that self-worth comes from other people. So they're always aiming to please. They don't have the inner confidence. And eventually they just can't take it anymore. And so many of these relationships and outpours that anger. Anger is a great indicator for when your boundaries have been crossed. So instead of letting that anger consume you and getting lost in it, instead notice it and thank that anger for alerting you that somebody has crossed your boundaries. Then use this very strong emotion of anger to spur you to set a healthy boundary when it needs to be set. So overall, what is the lesson of Sarat? Sarat teaches us that one of the fundamentals for a successful society 
is healthy, healthy boundary setting. So if you ever find yourself in a codependent relationship, whether this be at home, in school, in the workplace, or even in shul, remember your value as an individual is incomprehensible. You are a Selim Elohim. Therefore, build up that courage to set a healthy boundary. Your value does not depend on anything or anybody else. I'll close with a quote from meditation guru Sharon Salzberg. You yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. Thank you very much and Shavuot Tov.